This is Beyond the Bin. I'm Shabazz Sufi. And I'm Abby Marsh. And this is the podcast for real conversations about the future of the waste industry and what we can do together to protect the environment and strengthen our local communities. Hey, Beyond the Bin listeners. So thanks for joining us for another episode. Um, Today, Shabazz and I have the privilege of speaking with Joe Fusco, who is our VP of Communications here at Casella. Yeah, Joe's going to be talking to us today about sort of the ways in which he puts on his investigative hat here at Casella. Um, You know, he's not a trained anthropologist, but he certainly has done a lot of uh, sort of inquiry, if you will, into what the waste stream and recycling stream says about uh, society and people's priorities and changes in in culture. And uh, he's got some really fun insights and, and interesting insights on on what that means for uh, the waste industry, other industries, and uh, culture, society, and the environment. So we're really excited to get a look at that um, from his perspective. Um, you know, he's been in the industry for for a while now, so I think you know some of his insights here are really valuable. So, Joe, thank you for joining us today uh, to talk about uh, you know throwaway culture and, you know, waste and sort of the, the evolution of waste. And I think, as you like to call it, the the anthropology of waste, right? Yes. And I just want to warn, I guess, the audience of the listener that I am not an anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that's, that's a, a, a good warning for, for our listeners and that, you know, this is, this is an interesting conversation that we're having. But, you know, while Joe is not an anthropologist, he has been in the industry for a couple of decades. And so he's certainly seen a lot of changes yes, thank you. Um, thank in our you industry. <laughs> a many, of many decades. I love being reminded of how many decades I'm at places. But yeah, this is not, I'm not a scientist. This is not a scientific discussion. This is um, meant to be a little fun, but it's also meant to kind of uh, give us some insight into some things that people may or may not think about. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think, you know, one of the places that Abby and I wanted to start, there's this uh, picture that I'm looking at right now that comes from a Life magazine article from 1955. And it's it's this picture of a household, right? Like a husband and wife, and they're throwing their dishes up in, in the air because of the advent of basically plastic, you know, plastic dishware, right? You, the housewife particularly is no longer going to have to be washing dishware because everything's now disposable. Um, recycling, I think in 1955, wasn't maybe quite a thing yet. So it was just, it was about this disposable culture. And I think that sort of sets up this conversation pretty well in sort of how we sort of have evolved or, or sort of I don't know, maybe devolved, if you will, from uh, the society that we reused a lot of things. And then we allowed certain conveniences to allow us to get lax and and lazy, dare I say, um, about the way we interact with, you know, things that we're using. So I don't think it's so much an evolution. I think maybe the word is change. Hmm. And this industry, if you've spent any time in this industry, it is an interesting perch from which to see change. And it's an interesting perch to which to reflect on uh, human behavior, changes in human behavior, cultural changes, economic changes, demographic changes. So that Life magazine cover is a really good metaphor for how um, 
the world around us is always changing. And then the perch we have in this industry is we get to see that change um, reflected in uh, society's waste and recycling. And so I think, you know, if you don't mind, I'll start with a story because it's always fun to start with a story, right? Yeah. So if you, yeah, if you were to walk into one of our recycling centers, maybe beginning about 15 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago, and you were paying attention, and as you walked along, you kept your eyes on the floor, you'd start to notice something very interesting. And that is that something started disappearing from recycling facilities a little over a decade ago. And that change, that disappearing, accelerated uh, certainly through present time. And the change that we would saw, if you were paying attention, was that there were fewer and fewer newspapers on the floor of that recycling facility and on the conveyor belts in that recycling facility, and fewer and fewer magazines. But for this purposes of this story, we'll say newspapers. And you'd say, if you were a curious person, you'd say, well, why is that? Why are these things disappearing from the recycling stream? And that was really a reflection of a broader cultural shift, a broader economic shift going on, which was the newspaper business, as a newspaper business, was being rapidly disrupted by something. And what would you guess that that was? We're looking at, you know, online, getting your news from Facebook or getting your news from online, you know, CNN.com or whatever it is. right? Right. So we had this immense cultural shift where we started to get our news 24 hours a day online and no one was buying newspapers anymore. And the newspaper industry kind of got caught flat footed. They kind of had made the assumption that people would always want to read their news once a day on a dead tree. (laughs) And so the internet disrupted that. So there's a huge cultural change. The way we get our news, the business model around newspapers, and the internet conspired to actually show up in a recycling facility in that we don't recycle very much newsprint anymore, right? So that's a great kind of example of, like I said earlier, what an indus- what an interesting perch this industry is. If you're interested in human behavior, if you're interested in cultural change, if you're interested in uh, understanding the economic changes going around you or the demographic changes going around you. In college, way back when, I took a introductory sociology class, and I probably remember one thing from that class, which I'm sure my parents are going to be delighted to hear. <laughs> But that one sentence that I took away from that class over 38 years ago was that social facts can be explained by other social facts. So that when we see something, and we see it in, in our industry, in the, in the waste stream, the composition of the waste stream, the volume of the waste stream, it can be explained by some other social fact going on, right? So fascinating for us as uh, what we would call anthropologists, perhaps. Maybe maybe those of us in the waste industry truly are, have an opportunity or a perch to be anthropologists. We certainly can be cultural detectives, if you were, to explain things that are going on and why they might be going on. But the, the, the issue there is that by being uh, anthropologists or cultural detectives, we're kind of looking at something that's already happened or in the past. And I think the real exciting opportunity or the metaphor that perhaps we should use is that those of us in the waste industry or any business, quite frankly, but those of us in the waste industry want to be seismologists. 
right? We want to feel and see the tremors of change before they happen. This has implications for how we think about how we do our business and how we can think about how we manage resources and approach sustainability in the future by being really good observers of what's happening in the world around us. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, Joe, right? The idea of, you know, being seismologists, right? In in that analogy to, you know, detecting earthquakes is that we are able to take a really uh, in real time pulse of what's happening, right? right? There's all sorts of interesting sort of pulses that we can take uh, from, you know, investigating our waste streams. So it has value as an amusement to kind of think about these things, but it also has real business value as well. Right. And also uh, real environmental value if we think about it hard enough. And we, can talk, and we can talk about that, right? So this is a very observable and widespread at scale human activity. So that we will see the effects of that as both anthropologists and seismologists um, in the waste stream and in the recycling stream. So the biggest things are recycling facilities about the beginning of the January just get buried under cardboard boxes. And in particular, a, a particular kind of cardboard box. Do you know what I'm talking about? Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. So not only is this a reflection of human behavior around the holidays, but it really is a great indication of that shift to online commerce mm-hmm. that we've seen over the last 15 years. And then we will see all the wrapping paper and we will see all the food waste that comes from people gathering together, maybe less so this year. Maybe that'll be an interesting anthropological fact that because of the pandemic, because of our need to socially distance, we will see less food waste because families might not be getting together as frequently or on such a large scale as they have in the past. All of these things that are happening out in the world, all of these realities kind of show up in our, in our industry, in our business and what we can see. I mean, especially when you reference the pandemic, I mean, that I think that's a great opportunity us because things are never going to go back <clears throat> to the way that they were. So I think there's an opportunity for us to like look and see how things have changed and try to predict what um, the future will look like based on some of the changes that have occurred um, during the pandemic. Well, sure. What do you think, what would you guess are some changes in behavior, in human culture, human society, as a result of the pandemic, that we will see evidence of in our business, in the waste stream, in the recycling stream, or in the habits of people? Well, there's definitely an influx of online shopping and like ordering food out. So I I assume we've seen an influx in cardboard boxes again, and maybe like um, any recyclable takeout containers and stuff like that. And then in terms of like, and also this is like a business side of it, but we've seen it flop from um, being a commercial customer focused influx of recyclables versus residential. And w- before the pandemic, it was very much commercial. And now due to everyone being home and um, isolating, it's flipped to being a very heavy residential um influx of material coming in. So we have this massively disruptive event in human history, this pandemic and the, and the associated lockdowns, associated 
kind of you know social distancing, social isolating, and these this disruption has had you know um, significant economic impacts, significant cultural impacts that, like you said, we then see in the waste stream. We can see it in our recycling facilities. We can see it in the waste that we handle, and you referred to them. I mean people literally started shopping for almost everything online in these in March and April of 2020 right because they wanted to stay out of stores or they they didn't want to risk being out in crowds so uh, that behavior that massive behavioral shift which is also an economic shift you know brought a significant amount of <laughs> recyclable material primarily in cardboard and packaging uh, to our facilities so we could see it we could also see the changes in um, how people ordered food and how they consumed food as well. And one in particular that uh, kind of caught some of our customers, who are partic- in particular our colleges and universities, is suddenly they had the challenge of feeding 10,000 students on a campus, but couldn't do it in the traditional way that they'd always done it. They had to package meals individually right? Uh, for, for safety reasons, for health reasons, yeah, which are single use, single, single right, use, a lot of plateware. Yeah. And so a and lot of single use silverware. Yeah. And so suddenly this waste problem presented itself, right? But you might argue that, is this something we could have foreseen? Well, it's certainly a lesson that we learned. So the next time we face something like this, we understand what it might need, what we might need to do to help our customers manage that change. And manage that waste because they don't want to be in a situation where suddenly they're produced well they've spent all their efforts reducing waste but suddenly they're challenged to produce more waste so seeing that and understanding that hopefully for us will be a lesson for the future in the expertise that we bring to our customers but also for our customers to understand the challenges and problems that they might have we saw another shift during the pandemic. It was absolutely fascinating to watch. When you make millions of people stay home and they need things to keep busy, they turn to each other and say, honey, let's clean out the basement. Let's Yay. clean out the garage. <laughs> and so there was this massive demand for uh, containers for people to do home projects, uh, not only cleaning out their basement, but also doing some home remodeling projects. So these things don't happen in isolation. They happen as part of a system, a larger system of human beings responding to economic and cultural stimuli, right? And so their behavior changes, and then we see it. We see it in the waste stream. It's a fascinating uh, perspective to have. It's a fascinating place to be. Why is this so important to be able to think like this? Any ideas? I, you know, for me, I think about, you know, this helps us with, I think we touched upon this a little bit earlier is just that it can help us as as a service provider um, help a business or say even a municipality um, in a pretty novel time like this to be able to make some predictions or, or just do a little bit of planning, right? Sort of like future scenario planning on, okay, well, you know, this big event is about to happen. How can we better account for the, the impacts there so that we're uh, doing our best, you know, putting our best foot forward and being able to mitigate for, you know, the increase in, in waste or recycling or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, at the top of the pyramid would be that certainly every business needs to be able to see and understand the change that's going around, right? 
the landscape is littered with industries and businesses that um, never saw particular changes coming and therefore could not adjust or adapt quick enough, and they became dinosaurs. So every business needs to be uh, really alert to the changes that are happening in the external environment around their business, whether they be economic changes, technological changes, uh, cultural changes, and so on. So that's very important for us to understand. But then I also think that um, it would be a mistake to think that we, and in this instance, I'm talking about Casella, is simply a garbage company. That in an era where we are um, awash in data and information, this is the digital age, for example, that that data and that information becomes an asset to us, becomes a tool for us. So we have to use that data to see what we can learn and how it can help us manage our resources and the resources of our customers and to understand their behavior. Because this all goes, hopefully, all goes towards helping us advance a sustainability of resources on the planet. So we want to be able to, and I can foresee a future where um, all this information that we collect about what people do and how they behave and what they throw away and what they don't throw away and how they throw it away can be analyzed really quickly by algorithms or artificial intelligence and allow us to make uh, adaptations and decisions about our business, about our services, about how we help customers in an instant, right? To be able to adapt and be resilient in an instant is a very valuable business skill. But not only to do it on our behalf, but also to do it on behalf of the environment that we're in. I mean, we're in an industry that provides a very unique and necessary uh, part or infrastructure to public health and safety and environmental health and safety. So the better we are at managing that and understanding that and responding to that, I think the better off we are in uh, protecting and advancing environmental health and safety. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's a really salient point, Joe, that, you know, at the crux of it, we're kind of, we're like the weather vane for where we can't, like the waste industry um, is in a way can be a weather vane for different industries. Can, you know, the question would be, can we help other businesses design products and services better if they understand how people use them and how they discard them, can we be part of that data stream? Right. And if they can design products better and design packaging better, then ultimately the bigger picture outcome is that perhaps there's a, 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 a more efficient use of limited resources on the planet. So the ability to collect this data, understand this data, spot the patterns in this data, understand what's going on in the larger culture is a increasingly an important part of what we do. And I think, of course, what every business does, but our particular mission to drive environmental health and safety, to drive public health and safety, is it's absolutely crucial. I love that, uh, Joe. That I think that crucial piece that we can play Right can help us from preventing companies from reproducing, you know, that throwaway culture that we see in that Life magazine. Exactly. So the fun game to play then is not only to look backwards. The really interesting challenge then is to look forward and say, what cultural shifts, economic shifts, demographic shifts, technological shifts are we seeing that should be teaching us now about waste and recycling in the future. 
So this is the seismologist part, right? <laughs> what tremors can we feel even at the slightest level that we should be prepared for, that we can understand? There's that great scene in Jurassic Park. It's not really seismology, but it's interesting. But there's this great scene in Jurassic Park where they have a Steven Spielberg takes a close-up shot of a glass of water and the glass of yeah. water starts to vibrate just a little. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And you don't yeah. know what it is, and then you realize what it is. T-Rex is coming. Right, and it's almost <laughs> too late by the time. You know, <laughs> it's almost too late by the time you see the dinosaur. So what do we need to look at and think about now? What changes could we kind of guess at or hint at that might be changing now? Do you have any ideas? So I'm an old guy, uh, much older than the two of you. So I get to see that your generation is very different than mine. And I think culturally, certainly, you have less of a desire to own things and buy things. You are a less consumptive generation mm. than my generation. So you're not out buying things and looking to acquire status, for example, or whatever through the, you know, the acquisition and the stockpiling of stuff. You're more of an experiential generation. Hmm. So if you're less consumptive, if you want your houses to be smaller, more efficient, you want to not be burdened by the things that you own in your life, then what impacts does that have? Not only for the waste industry, right? If you're going to produce less of a consumptive waste lifestyle, what, what impacts does that have for people whose business models revolves around you buying stuff? Definitely think our generation is more environmentally conscious and in terms of like buying decisions. Like I know a lot of my friends, they bring reusable bags to the grocery store and they bring reusable, like um, they have reusable containers in their house. Like, and I think that's going to be another trend moving forward is that people are just going to continue to be more conscious about the waste that they're generating in their homes. So 30 years in the future, your generation will live in a less consumptive society. I think that's the goal. Yeah. And the value. So this is what it'll look like. The values that your generation has, the way you were raised, the way you choose to interact with the world will show up in our recycling facilities. It will show up in our landfills. It will show up in the way that we manage resources and manage waste in the future, right? So the one thing we can learn from history is the, the, the future rarely looks like the past, <laughs> you know? And so we, we know this change is coming and what can we do to adapt to it now? And what can we do to be smart about it now? Not only from our own kind of a need to run a great business, but are also our need to fulfill our mission and to do what we do and to, to protect uh, natural and limited resources and to protect the environment. It gives me hope for our future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this discussion to me, like if, if again, if we're using this, using our waste stream as like the weather vane here, I think um, from an environmental standpoint, um, and like resource standpoint, yeah, that's I'm with you, Abby. Like that's 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 that sort of um, hope that I think is important for us as we think about. Well, hopefully we're tracking. You know, we're 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 headed towards that that direction. Um, hopefully of you know less consumption and 
um, re- more reuse and, and recyclability and sort of reduction of, of waste uh, from the get-go. So I hope that we um, gave people some insight and perhaps asked some provocative questions. If you're interested in the waste industry, these are interesting questions to ask. But I would also say that no matter what industry or what business or what you're any of our listeners out there are doing for a living, you have to look for these things where you live too. You have to look for these patterns. You have to look for these changes because they have implications for the way all of us live on this planet and all of us uh, behave. Joe, this was a really fun conversation. It definitely got me thinking. It's fun. It's fun to pretend to be a scientist, <laughs> be an anthropologist. You know, these are just, you know, observations certainly, but it's 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 fun game to play. And it was fun to talk to you folks about it today. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, this is really, really awesome conversation. Hoping that people take away from this, um, you know, some really interesting tidbits. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Joe, for joining. Thanks, Joe. So what did you think of the conversation with Joe? You know, I thought it was really fun to talk to Joe about the ways in which he sort of gets to to sort of be an investigator, if you will, right? Or as he says, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like being an anthropologist or even in in a way like an archaeologist, right? Because there's that element of being able to to look at the waste that's coming into, say, a landfill or a recovery facility or even a neighborhood's recycling bins and start to piece together uh, a little bit of the priorities um, or the shift in culture uh, of people and society. I think it's sort of it's just a sort of fun idea, right, to think about uh, Joe and other folks in the industry being able to sort of put on a little bit of an investigative hat and and be curious and think about you know how are things shifting based on what we see in the waste stream. Yeah, no, it was a really fun conversation. And I loved the aspect of like thinking about the future and what the future will look like and how that will in turn affect the waste stream and also our environment. It was a great conversation with Joe. Yeah, I think that's that was a really high point for me too, is that, you know, for Joe, he's also seeing that, you know, sort of the up and coming generations are, are we're beginning to see um sort of a reduction in certain mm-hmm. types of waste streams. And so hopefully, you know, from his from his out, outlook, he sees that as us moving towards the direction of, of less waste. And, um, you know, that's, that's going to be critical, right, when we talk about some of the environmental challenges um, that we're all working on and, and hoping to see us um, come through and, and thrive on the other side. So that was, that was hopeful for me and really exciting to hear that from him. Oh, definitely. Gives me a lot of hope. So yeah, thanks for joining us for the conversation we had with Joe and um, stay tuned for our next episode. 